It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 198, The Prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah 1, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Did you catch that? We've got a man from the royal family, a direct relative of Hezekiah, that turned into a prophet. Put it this way, we have a prince in the kingdom of Judah that was now a prophet. And it, to make matters more interesting, his message is going to be judgment, judgment, judgment. King Josiah is hearing this every day, every day after day. This is his context. His friends are faithful old school Levitical priests and judgment prophets all over the place, including one in his own house and a family relative he sits with at mealtime, a judgment prophet in your midst. Zephaniah is a judgment prophet, plain and simple. He sees the end of all who sin, and even the end of everything. Extremely detailed and powerful, this short book. He speaks of the end of the age first, then goes for the jugular immediately with these words, I will sweep away everything. I will destroy all mankind. I mean, we're going to get it. I mean, we're going to get it, man. I mean, this is bad news. <laughs> Try not to do what I've done a hundred times over. And when I read these judgment prophecies, I get a bit insensitive to the harshness to it because it's so visual and harsh. Try to always capture the hidden promises and the judgment details that sound like God is going to fulfill them line by line. So after Zephaniah speaks to the end of the age, he goes granular. He goes, he declares fate over actual cities and nations just to show precision. And he gets into now moments when he speaks of Assyria. All right, here we go. The book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah 1, 2. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. And when I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place, the very names of the idolatrous priest, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord and who swear by Molech, those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and he has consecrated those he has invited. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials of the king's sons and all who clad themselves in foreign clothes. And on that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who filled the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district. All your merchants will be wiped out, and all who trade with silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, 
who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. Though they built houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink the wine. Okay, so we're talking about Jerusalem, right? Especially with the comment about the fish gate. But check out the next verse, Zephaniah 1.14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Now we're talking about the end of the age. So whenever we hear the great day of the Lord, we're talking about the end of time. The day of the Lord is clearly end times. Even if we're flipping God's visual timelines like a set of tinted sunglasses with, you know, uh, different timelines on each lens, he just flips instantly. That changed the color tint within seconds. Now we're talking about the end of the age. Zephaniah 1, 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry in the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I'll bring such distress on all people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be, sa will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole earth will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end to all who live on the earth. The fire of his jealousy will burn the earth. That's incredible. Because it says in Revelation that there will be a new earth and a fire will melt away the objects of the planet. Maybe this is a jealous supernatural fire that uproots evil, restarting life on the planet in an instant. Okay, now the tinted lenses is shifted to the now timeline, since we're covering cities in this age. Second Zephaniah 2, 2. Gather together, gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect, and that day passes like windblown chaff. Before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Gaza will be abandoned. Ashkelon left in ruins. At midday, Ashdod will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Woe to you who live by the sea, you Karathite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of the Philistines, he says, I will destroy you and none will be left. The land by the sea will become pastures, having wells for shepherds and pens for flocks. The land will belong to the remnant of the people of Judah. There they will find pasture, and in the evening they will lie down in the houses of Ashkelon. The Lord their God will care for them. He will restore their fortunes. I have heard the insults of Moab and the taunts of the Ammonites, who insulted my people and made threats against their land. Therefore, as surely as I live, declares the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The survivors of my nation will inherit their land. This is what they will get in return for their pride, for insulting and mocking the people of the Lord Almighty. The Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys all the gods of the earth. Distant nations will bow down to him all of them in their own lands. You, Cushites, too, will be slain by the sword. All right, so 
Now we get to the hated Assyrians, and we hear the repeat message that nothing will be there anymore. Good to remember this, because the world's most feared and admired city in this age was Nineveh, and it's going to be destroyed, utterly destroyed, abandoned to history. Zephaniah 2.13 He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, leaving Nineveh utterly desolate and dry as the desert. Flocks and herds will lie down there, and creatures of every kind. The desert owl and the screech owl will roost on her columns. Their hooting will echo through the windows. Rubble will fill the doorways, and the beams of cedar will be exposed. This is the city of revelry that lived in safety. She said to herself, I am the one, and there is none beside me. What a ruin she's become, a liar for wild beasts. All who pass by her scoff and shake their fist. Now we begin to arrive at the words spoken over Jerusalem and Judah, with some lines throughout the, this whole section with an end-time lens and then a current lens. Zephaniah 3. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves who leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are unprincipled. They are treacherous people. Her priests profane the sanctuary and do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning, he dispenses his justness. And every day, he does not fail. Yet the unrighteous know no shame. I have destroyed nations. Their strongholds are demolished. I have left their streets deserted with no one passing through. Their cities are laid waste. They are deserted and empty. Of Jerusalem, I thought, surely you will fear me and accept correction. Then her place of refuge would not be destroyed, nor all my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all they did. Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day I will stand up to testify, and I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, to pour out my wrath on them. All my fierce anger, the whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. So at this stage, thank goodness, Zephaniah ends with restoration of Israel after the diaspora with the hopes of the future Messiah, restoring the whole planet and all things. So you got, you got a mix again of, now it's post um, exile, and then also post end times or end times time frame. Happy, maybe ending with hope. Let's not say happy. Zephaniah uh, prophesies hope as he finishes um, his prophecies. Zephaniah 3 9. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I have removed from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will... Eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment, has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion. 
Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you hope. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. So we conclude this episode of Message to Kings with, and just covering the most famous verse from Zephaniah's prophecies. It's Zephaniah 3.17. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. What I love about this verse is that God takes great delight in us like a father takes great delight in his children. We are his children, sons and daughters of the living God. He doesn't scold us or rebuke us unless it's well-deserved, but rejoices over us with great singing. And when the shepherds saw the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord burst up out in chorus over the fields of Bethlehem, we have a great moment where heaven was singing in praise over the birth of Jesus and pleased with the favor of man. The thought that the Lord rejoices over us with singing is powerful. Quite appropriate that uh, Hillsong Worship penned the words of the song, Mighty to Save, based upon this verse. The Lord rejoices over us. is like the Lord encamping around us, or being our rear guard, or his angels watching over us. The Lord delights in us. It's one of those things that we have to uh, understand that God truly loves us, beyond our understanding, but way beyond how we consider love in our own right. God loves us way more. He wants to speak with us and to talk with us and to be our friend. He takes incredible delight in us. Another verse ties in nicely as well. Psalms 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word delight means to be happy with in the simplest form, to delight yourself in, your, in beauty, bounty, and blessings. And in some strange way, God does this over us. He delights in us, his creation, he absolutely, beyond our comprehension, loves us. And in the midst or conclusion of this book of judgment, we have this loving, caring, astounding word that God delights in us and his unfailing love over us and rejoices over us with singing. What a powerful moment and loving reflection of our Father in heaven. God, we pray you do just this. You show the listeners of this program your delight in them. Let us celebrate with others and experience powerful moments and understand more fully what it's like to have heaven rejoicing over us and cheering over us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page if you want to chat.
email us at messagethekings at gmail.com.